Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. This poem called A Protest or a Party is by UU minister and queer activist, the Reverend Hannah Roberts Villeneuve. People sometimes ask, is pride a protest or a party? And the answer, of course, is yes. Why not rejoice as we resist, dance as we demand change, celebrate as we create community that delights in all of who we are? So bring all of that with you this morning. Bring your policy demands. Bring your glitter. Bring your Supreme Court broken heart. Bring your rainbow socks. Bring, bring the emptiness you feel for our siblings gone too soon. Bring your Gloria Estefan remix. Bring your tender hope for change. Bring your most garish eyeshadow. Bring your spirit tattered and battered by a world that seems insistent on choosing fear and hate. Gather up all these things and bring them here to a place where we don't have to shoulder these burdens or celebrate these joys alone. On Friday night, my almost 21-year-old daughter and I went to a queer prom. We got dressed up. We went, there was a drag show. It was a sober event with tasty refreshments, and folks felt so safe to let loose. There were young ones and old ones there. It was a very intergenerational event. And the parents with little kids were perfectly responsible. Nobody's head came off. Nobody seemed to be abused in the moment. And friends, this was hosted by three Christian churches. Yes. Indeed. The Springhouse Ministry Center, just down on Lindale Avenue at 28th Street, houses three congregations. It's the, a United Church of Christ, an ELCA Lutheran, and a Disciples of Christ, Three congregations all together in one building. And it was fabulous and glittery, and it was free and affirming. And we danced in their sanctuary space because there were no pews. <laughs> I've never said I was unbiased. It, we raised money for Iowa Safe Schools, which supports and protects LGBTQIA kids in our neighboring state. I'd never been to something like this before I'd heard about it, and it was just so much fun. Everyone felt completely free and safe. It is a mindfulness practice to hold both and the truths of competing realities at the same time. A Christian organization, progressive and loving, can hold a queer prom, 
be led by queer ministries and find no contradiction with the teachings of Jesus as they follow this teacher. It is a delight to live in such a time as this when such supportive and out loud events are possible. When my daughter and perhaps your children too are growing up with a much expanded understanding of gender identity and uh, affinity than I grew up with, which was one or the other. I grew up in a very binary world and how much freedom there is in this world in which they live. And yet, these days are sheer terror for some in our community. From corporations that acquiesce to bullies rather than support their trans guests and workers, to states that seek to eliminate an entire class of people simply because they don't conform to that binary. When it is unsafe for our trans neighbors and friends to travel out of state, authoritarianism is deeply damaging to our community. Authoritarianism and patriarchy is deeply damaging. So in this Pride Month and on this weekend when we celebrate both Father's Day and Juneteenth, I want to take a look at some common threads. So first, a little bit about the origins of pride. Many of you know the story, and it's a story that bears repeating. It's worth repeating again and again. Is it a party or a protest? Yes. This is Dr. J. Polish writing in the online magazine Bustle. When asked about when the gay rights movement in this country began, people tend to point to June 28th, of 1969, the night of the Stonewall riots. And the Stonewall riot was one of many. QT POC, I'm going to give you a new, may perhaps a new acronym for some of you, QT POC, Queer Trans People of Color, QT POC. Up, QT POC led uprisings like those at Stonewall in New York and the Haven in New York, Cooper Donuts and the Black Cat Tavern in LA, Compton's Cafeteria in San Francisco were all responses to police harassment and brutality. At that time, people that the police perceived as men could be legally arrested for doing drag, and people that cops perceived as women could also be arrested if they were found wearing less than three pieces of feminine clothing. Right, how you check that out? Talk about invasive. It's brutal and invasive. In fact, police often raided bars to search for these alleged violations. And on the summer night that most people cite as the origin of pride, the patrons of the Stonewall Inn Bar in New York City on Christopher Street, led by trans women and femmes of color, fought back against another police raid. 
It wasn't, we, we tell this story a little about, we have this myth about Rosa Parks that one day she got tired and sat down on the bus. She did get tired and sit down on the bus, but that wasn't the beginning of it. She had trained and prepared, and it was a long run-up to when she sat down on the bus. This wasn't the first uprising. It was a long run-up of oppression and abuse when the Stonewall riot happened, and these trans women and femmes of color said, no more, we fight back. The first Pride March, a rally in New York on the last Saturday in June, was dubbed the Christopher Street Liberation Day in honor of the Stonewall riot. The Christopher Street Liberation Committee was formed to commemorate the one-year anniversary. So one year after the riot, it began, and it's been going every year since then. They marched from the West Village, followed by a gay be-in, like a sit-in, a gay be-in. We're just going to be who we are in Central Park. This helped cement the Stonewall Riot and Pride at the end of June. Many people are familiar with the transformative activism of Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. Johnson and Rivera were really the in the front of this movement. They were out front. And they co-founded STAR, the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, which organized direct actions like sit-ins as well as provided shelter for trans sex workers and other LGBTQ plus homeless youth. Both activists were also members of the anti-capitalist internationalist group, the Gay Liberation Front, which organized marches and held dances to raise funds for queer people in need, and published a, gays, a gay new paper called Come Out in 1969. I love this story that they weren't only protesting, they weren't only creating uh, marches, but they were also uh, providing shelter for trans sex workers and shelter for homeless youth. There was both service and activism together. There was protest and activism and dances. There was joy and celebration. A protest or a party, yes. And what does it look like today? Well, it looks like queer prom at a Christian church but it also looks like corporate-sponsored pride sunglasses and temporarily rainbow-splashed company logos. Those are the hallmarks of modern pride celebrations. Many people, I'm, I'm quoting again from Jay Polish, many people consider having big corporations sponsor commercialized pride marches disrespectful of the history of pride. Stonewall, that most people note as the origin of pride, was a direct response to police raids and brutality. But today, pride marches tend to be accompanied by police escorts. In light of the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests, however, pride organizations are reconsidering their positions on police 
at Pride, with some deciding to ban police officers until certain racial justice reform requirements are met. I'm not sure if there will be police officers or off-duty police officers at Pride in Minneapolis. A couple of years ago, they said there would not be. I don't know what the current status is. I do know that there will be a security company that is getting some press now called Security. Isn't that great? I just love Security. And by the way, my daughter works for them. <laughs> and their goal is to welcome people and from the get-go, dial down any uh, tension or difficulty. They are in the business of diffusing trouble before it starts. And isn't that a different way? Aren't they building a different way? There was an article about them this past week in the Star Tribune, if you want to go back and see it, Sequirity, spelled just like it sounds. So holding that pride began as a protest against police brutality, state-sponsored terrorism. And this also being Juneteenth, I'm going to tease out this a little bit, and just another little historical moment. Juneteenth, you know, is a portmanteau of June 19th, the date in 1865, almost a year after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, I believe I'm correct about this, after the end of the Civil War, that's it. At the end of the Civil War, when, the slaves, when enslaved people were freed in the South, but they were not, that word had not reached enslaved people in Texas until a Union general sailed into Galveston Bay and freed enslaved people in Texas. That's Juneteenth. And the reason that it is celebrated, for years it was celebrated just in Texas, just in the South. Now it is a nationwide uh, holiday celebrated all over to say, no one is free if all are not free. It's been 158 years since that date in 1865, 158 years of freedom from enslavement for African American people in this country. And guess what? That is still 88 years less than slavery lasted on these shores. It will not be until the year 2112. See it in your mind. 2112. That we will have had freedom from slavery in this country longer than we had it as an institution in our nation. I see you shaking your heads. It's shocking. It's crushing and it provides context. Our nation was wrong then, and states are wrong now to be doing the legislative work 
of trying to erase a class of people. That is what authoritarianism gets us, that sees a right way and a wrong way, that sees human and subhuman. And we are so much against this, it's hard to stand up and say, what must we do? Well, I want to say what we are doing. I want to say what we are doing. We show up, we talk about it, we write about it, we put it out in the world that this is what we stand for, that we stand for the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We stand for equity, diversity and equity in human relations. And we own a part, in this congregation, we own a part of the great success of the legislature this session. You all know that Minnesota passed the Trans Refuge Bill, which is a shield law, a shield law that allows, it says that Minnesota will not interfere in custody battles in other states if people bring their children here for gender-affirming care. Some states are saying that if you take your child out of state for gender-affirming care, we can actually take your child away from you. You are not acting in the best interest of that child. And Minnesota said, no, we will not cooperate with that. People can come here and get the care that they need. It, it's related in family law this way. We also said in Minnesota, across the state, that there won't be allowed any so-called conversion therapy in any state for minors and vulnerable adults. Of course, any adult may have, uh, who's not a vulnerable adult, may get any kind of care that they want. That's their business, right? But you cannot subject a child to that. And the reason I say that we have a part of this is because you signed the postcards. You worked to get people elected. We live out our values. You went to lobby day. You talk to people. You do this as your work in your everyday life. We do own that. And sometimes it's hard to say that that's enough. You know, door knocking and all that stuff. Is that enough? In fact, it is. It is so important. And guess what? We'll have to do it again. Right? We'll have to do it again. Because we'll have big fights coming up. We have work to do with our city council. I'm, I'm shifting back again to state-sponsored terrorism. We are in the news, Minneapolis, in a bad way. They say there's no such thing as bad press. Well, maybe that's true because it's time for this report, the Minneapolis Police Department report, to come to light again. This is a federal report that talks about the ways that systemic racism um, has affected the Minneapolis Police Department, but we did not have to wait for a federal report to see it and know it. Years ago, the report called MPD 150 
came out that was created by local community groups and activists who were saying the very same thing. When George Floyd happened, when, the, when Mr. Floyd was murdered, it was shocking and not surprising to anyone who was paying attention. I think this is true of what's happening in state-sponsored terrorism in other states. It is shocking, but not surprising, where authoritarianism has a hold. So what's next? Well, the next big date for us to be aware of is July 1st. Nine bills in six states will come online on July 1st. There are trans bathroom bills. There are bills having to do with what team uh, athletes can play on. There are a variety of bills of the ways in authoritarian states where they say, you don't fit, so you don't exist. I can, I can go anywhere in this country, and if I need to stop and go to the bathroom, I can do that. It's just not hard. And so until this came up and until someone educated me, I never had to think about what that would be like. Do you know there's an app on your phone? Trans folks have an app on their phone for where it's safe to go to the bathroom. Ain't that something? I see a phone being held up in the back with that app on it. So, hooray, it is a delight that we live in a time when there is such an app. It is a terror that such an app is needed. And I think holding both of these things, holding both the possibility of joy among what it means to be alive and in our bodies, along with the terror that some people feel from state-sponsored terrorism and non-state actors, states embolden bullies to, to act dangerously. You know that I serve a small congregation in, in western Wisconsin, and we're planning to do um, a faith night at a music in the park event in one of the small towns. And uh, one person wanted us to have a table and have a, a gay pride flag there. And some other people said, no, we can't do that. We're for it. But we don't want somebody to bring a gun. And they weren't kidding. They weren't kidding. So I'm going to go show up and wear my collar, wear a gay rights pin, and I'm not worried about not being safe. But it's not, we can't take it for granted. I mean, I think it's easy for us to take it for granted here. And so our call is, how can we leverage our privilege as a place where we are, are pretty much in agreement about this. So here's one way I think we can do this. We're talking about a trans welcome program here at FUS. What would it be like for us to hold a drop-in space for people who are coming 
to Minnesota and the Twin Cities for gender-affirming care. To provide some resources, here are organizations you can call. Here are some people you can meet. Hey, could we bring you a meal? Hey, here's the doctor that I go to. Here are ways that you can get connected. Here are organizations that do the work. So we've already got a small team that's putting this together. And some of you have reached out to me, that I owe you an email, wanting to be a part of this. We're building it. We're looking to get some grant money for it. We don't know exactly how far it'll go. One of the things that people will need when they're coming here is housing and financial resources. And so these are the things that we're looking at. What's needed and what do we have capacity to provide? And we'll keep you informed. There may be small and large ways this congregation can help, but we're going to leverage our delight in people being exactly who they are in all of their beauty and difficulty and glitter and brokenness and gladness and challenge and humanity, we are going to welcome it all here and see how it changes us and how we can change our community. Let's gather up all these things, bring them here to a place where we don't have to shoulder these burdens or celebrate these joys alone. May it be so. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.